Obviously, there was the, the original Battlefronts, and they were... They were actually some of my favourite games growing up as well. I am Sammy and I run the Sammy Boy YouTube channel. We unfortunately never got the third one and I honestly didn't think we would ever see another Battlefront game and then it would have been 2013 or 14 when they announced Battlefront 2015. And then Battlefront 2 2005 was rushed out to get that Revenge of the Sith money. But then after that it kind of, well, the curse of Battlefront 3 with various cancelled projects and whatnot. And then obviously in 2013 they announced that Battlefront was coming back through DICE. My name is Elliot and I run Battlefront Updates. Um, first game had a pretty big success in terms of sales but was... Uh, had a lukewarm reception overall in the community and lacked a lot of things that they then fixed for Battlefront 2. Star Wars is a story of galaxy-wide turmoil, struggle, heroes, villains, and redemption. And arguably the biggest example of this is the saga of Star Wars Battlefront 2. I'm Sage Goodwin, and you're listening to the Star Wars Battlefront Podcast. When Battlefront 2 was announced and I first saw the reveal trailer and the gameplay trailers, I was ecstatic. I've waited 30 years for this. I still remember my last orders. I'm Dylan and I run the Wolf 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 YouTube channel. Uh, prequel content is what I've been looking forward to for such a long time. Also a new Battlefront game, I can't be upset about that. I've been playing Battlefront 2015 uh, on repeat many many times, praying for Battlefront 2 and I'm so ecstatic that we got this from EA and DICE. Uh, it's exhilarating. I pre-ordered the game right away. Uh, I remember staying up because it was a school night and I was staying up to play the first match I'd ever played. I played the, the beta, um, so I played through all the Naboo stuff, uh, but when the actual game came out, I believe the first map I got was Kamino. Uh, and I remember seeing the Phase 1 clone troopers on the screen. Uh, back then, I believe they had like a holographic uh, screen that you would show up with when you were loading in on the game menu. And I just remember freaking out. I put it on my Snapchat story, and I like shared it with everyone. And at the time, most of my friends didn't know or, you know, like didn't know how big into Star Wars I was. So they were like, what, what is this? What is this game? Or why, are you, why is this on your story? I was hyped. I'm Arcaros, and I take uh, virtual captures um, in Star Wars Battlefront 2. And in the past couple of months, I've also been running uh, tournaments on Star Wars Legions along with Sammy Boy. From from the get go, I was super excited about it. I remember watching the trailer. Um, I was with my cousin. It was such a magical moment. Uh, I took screenshots of it and I had it as my um, phone background for a while as well. I was yeah, I was I was really hooked. Um, and uh, and on the lookout for every 
little snippet of information or whatever um, before the game released, um, and I've been enjoyed. I've I've been enjoying it ever since as well. So, I remember there being a lot of hype around the game, especially. I think a lot of people didn't think Battlefront 2015 lived up to what the originals were, which it didn't. It was its own take on the Battlefront series, and there was a significant. Um, how do I put it? There was there was a lot of a lot of people wanted more content. Hey, uh, I'm Andrew. I run Bombastic, the YouTube channel. In a lot of ways, I agreed. I liked that they'd built the game around Walker Assault because I think that was such a fun game mode. But it just didn't have the same charm and the same kind of um, nostalgic feelings as the original games. So when Battlefront 2 was announced, I think a lot of people were excited that this was kind of, you know, almost like a mini redemption story for the game and for it perhaps recreating more of what the previous games did. Um, especially when it was announced that it was across all eras. That, to me, was, you know... I honestly thought EA wouldn't do it and because all the sequel movies were coming out at the time, I thought they were just going to release you know, sequel content and original trilogy, basically, and forget about the prequels. But, man, yeah, that being announced was very exciting, and the, the prospect that we were getting content from the the prequels as well, especially it was like over 10 years since the last one had released. Well... <laughs> It's kind of a tough thing to talk about nowadays, isn't it? Because the game's come such a long way and I kind of have grown tired of seeing so much negativity still surrounding its launch and surrounding what the game was and not what it is. So when it launched, there was uh, a lot of controversy with the whole loot box drama. Obviously, the game launched with um, sort of a system that it really... In one way, it wasn't as bad as a lot of people said it was, but it was focused around um, loot boxes and, you know, trying to... It was, it was really just... It was essentially gambling, in a way. Um, not, not as bad as that sounds, but yeah. It was, uh, it was very, very... Probably the rockiest launch that I've ever seen for a video game, actually, so... The whole loot box fiasco or saga, the fact Battlefront 2 and Star Wars and EA were in the news so frequently around the time of launch in 2017 was quite... Um, I mean, let's be real. I think Battlefront 2 possibly had one of the worst video game launches in history. I originally wasn't aware that the loot crates and the locked heroes would cause so much distress. I, for one, as a student, I had time to play Battlefront and I was excited about unlocking Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, uh, but until people pointed out that, well, it's a little unfair for you to have to play 40 hours or just pay to unlock a hero that should already come with the game. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to hop on this bandwagon, you know, because if people are going to fight for heroes to not have to cost any time or credits or experience to unlock, I'm okay with that too. Uh, and then also the fact that people were pointing out that you could pay to win, basically, was the concern. Because it's even gotten to the point where it's a, a, a sort of a, an example for other video games. Um, 
where uh, it was getting a heap of of uh, negative reviews um, because at launch, well, there were big paywalls, and if you wanted to progress swiftly, the best method of doing so was to um, put money into the game. It's the randomness of it. Like some games, very, well, very few games give you like a they can give you a percentage of what you might get, but with most games, you, there's no like percentage going in. It's it's just random completely. Cosmetic stuff, it's less of a problem, but when it's in-game performance value changing, then it's an issue because obviously, theoretically, and in some cases, in some games, it's especially like free-to-play games, like if you don't pay, you're at a huge disadvantage. They were trying to get people to spend money on things that should have just been free in the game. Especially taking that, using that kind of loot crate microtransaction structure in a Battlefront game. I don't think the executives maybe realized that Battlefront had such a nostalgic, you know, there was so much in Battlefront and so much in people's hearts for Battlefront that had come 10, 15 years before in the original games. So the fact that they were trying to apply a loot box structure to a game where in the past everything had been free, you know, you get Battlefront 2, it has all the heroes obviously already unlocked and all the planets, you go straight to instant action, you've got, what, 25 maps there or something like that across so many different planets and Star Wars locations. The fact that now a lot of that was hidden behind a paywall and the, the heroes unlocking them, everything was so expensive to get, you'd be leveling up. The game was pay to win in a way, it was just that kind of structure in a Battlefront game with the nostalgia and with the past really didn't sit well and it shouldn't have been done. It was the wrong approach and it was not the style of, um, you know, they should have just sold it as a game and not as a microtransaction inducing game, if that makes sense. Well, for a few months after it released, um, I remember DICE was super quiet, and that was probably the darkest period for Battlefront 2. Um, it felt like there was no hope at all. It felt like, well, the game was a failure and it would get discontinued, and that was the end of the Battlefront franchise. They didn't really know what to do. I think everyone kind of panicked. Obviously, there were a few comments made by EA employees which were very much uh, frowned upon and everyone really, you know, no one was on their side at the time. They went quiet, which was interesting because we obviously wanted things to change and it was almost like they'd released this giant promise of a game which didn't live up to the promise and, you know, completely shut down after that and went quiet and for months we heard nothing. We had The Last Jedi come out and then after that, from what I remember anyway, it's a while ago now. <laughs> um, yeah, there was just nothing. So, I think when they did start to open up again and start to, you know, here's a few community updates, here's a few announcements, or at least, you know, their Twitter account is active again and we're not ignoring all this negativity, at least then, I think, you know, it was like they, they needed the time to just completely work out what was going to happen and what they were going to do. Luckily, um, in early 2018, 
that changed, they announced that they would revamp the whole progression system, which they did, and which was awesome, and which was such a better incentive to play. It felt almost miraculous to uh, just level up your Darth Vader for playing Darth Vader. That was unheard of <laughs> in the same game. I thought the messaging was... I mean, I don't really know what else they could have done, to be honest. Like, they did the statement, they turned off microtransactions. Like, if they... I was expecting them to sort of just take out the performance impacting stuff in the loot crates, but they just turned it off completely. Like, you couldn't spend any, like, a single bit of money. So, they did it better than I thought they would, but Disney potentially silencing EA and DICE, like, we don't really know the full story, but it seems like they may have done. That hurt the game more than anything, because they couldn't really communicate with us for months. Uh, I think within probably four to five months of the launch they had changed, they pretty much completely got rid of the system. Um, they actually got rid of the loot boxes before the game even launched, but then the game was still sort of set up around that system. But yeah, I think it was maybe March of 2018, they sort of did a big overhaul of the progression system and that was probably when the, the game really started to turn around, I think. Hello there! My name is Dennis. I work at DICE in Stockholm on Star Wars Battlefront 2. I'm really happy and excited to be here today, so thank you so much for hanging out with me for a little bit. So when I saw on YouTube Dennis Branvall walk on stage, at the time, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't know his name, he walked on stage and revealed a Grievous render behind him. And I was thinking, no way. There's absolutely no way. If that means they're handling Grievous, then what other Clone Wars content could we see? And he promised that there would be new Clone Wars content coming completely free as DLC. I remember freaking out in my room being like, there's no way. This is the nicest thing and the thing I'm most looking forward to. I think the announcement of Clone Wars um, back in 2018 EA Play was a big moment for a lot of people. So we launched our game in November of last year and clearly we didn't get it quite right. So instead of coming out of the gate sprinting like we really wanted to, we had to take a step back and make sure that we were delivering the game that our players really wanted. For me, it was the promise of Clone Wars. Clone Wars, I think everyone will agree, saved Battlefront 2. And also the announcement of another Conquest-style large-scale game mode, which is what the original games had back in 2004-2005, and I think is something everyone has wanted to see in Battlefront since its announcement even back in, what, 2013, 2014 of the new series. People wanted reassurance that they were going to do Clone Wars content, and I always believe they would have done. Like, the developers believe it. Some people don't believe they are, but they're huge Clone Wars fans, and they know they're Star Wars. It was always going to happen at some point. The fact that we were finally going to get some Clone Wars stuff, which is, you know, a lot of people that, you know, sort of our age that are playing this game probably grew up with the prequels and the Clone Wars and stuff so we all love the OT and stuff but I think Clone Wars is like um, you know, our generation so it was just a it was probably the biggest moment in the game I think and I think for me I can still remember it like it was yesterday sitting there watching that um, EA play and just <laughs> being like a little kid on Christmas being so excited with what they announced. 
Fan interaction is a huge part of game development. I think we have, as we've seen in the last probably decade or so, um, fans have a bigger and bigger voice and are having closer and closer conversations with their development team. I personally was previously on both the Star Wars Battlefront 1 and Star Wars Battlefront 2 teams. Uh, prior to that, um, while working at DICE, I worked on a couple, a couple other games, uh, and I've been a lifelong Star Wars gamer. I've uh, played a whole bunch of them. Um, but uh, yeah, most recently it was working on the, the last two Battlefront games. You know, the Star Wars fan base is probably one of the largest out there, um, if not the largest. And, you know, their their level of interaction with, with the developers is, uh, it's a bit double-edged, right? It's one, it's, there's the highs are really high when everybody's like, uh, they're totally vibing and then everybody thinks like, these things are great, they're, they're loving what you're doing. Um, but when you get things wrong, you know, they'll let you know. And uh, it hurts because as a fan yourself, you're like, well, I don't want to disappoint um, I don't want to disappoint fans of this franchise and this uh, IP because you also don't want to do that for yourself as a fan. Like I said, like you, you want to be, you want to do this stuff well because you love Star Wars. Uh, on top of being a developer and wanting to do your job correctly, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's tough. It's it's high highs and low lows. Like um, when, like I said, when things go well, like you feel you feel like you're on cloud nine. You can do anything, and you're just you love seeing how happy people are but when they're when they're unhappy it, it, it you know it's a it's a special pain uh, for sure we know that you have been asking for new heroes villains and planets from a certain era that features a very iconic star wars conflict so i'm excited to confirm that battlefront 2 this year will be going deep into the clone wars <laughs> It's only fitting that we begin on the planet Geonosis, featuring multiple levels, including the largest level we have ever built for Battlefront. He announced hope, really. <laughs> I'm not sure how to call it otherwise. He announced like practical changes in the game, but to me what I remember from it is that he announced that there was a future for the game. He announced that they weren't done there and that they would go ahead and put content in the game that people had been asking for. Four heroes, Anakin, Obi-Wan Kenobi, General Grievous, Dooku. But more than just those four new heroes, he announced um, what was going to be coming uh, to Battlefront 2 the next six months, uh, including Genesis, including, well, so many other uh, quality of life changes. And I would say that that first year of content on the, the, the first proper roadmap was some of the best content added to the game in the game completely especially like the heroes and Geonosis a map like it's probably my favorite map still well after that moment we first of all had a clear vision of which content was going to come to the game um, to me that was the start or rather to me the EA play live event was the end of the dark era for Battlefront 2 the dark times where we had no communication, where we had no idea what was going to come, or even if anything were going to come uh, to the game. I think there was a buzz in the community. Battlefront 2's player base, I wouldn't say it was bad, but it definitely wasn't what everyone wanted it to be, and people had jumped ship, people were leaving, because, you know, there was no new content, the game had had the terrible launch it had, and it wasn't as a it wasn't as wholesome as game as everyone was hoping for, so 
when the Clone Wars content was announced, I think it created a buzz in the community and everyone started thinking, even in the gaming industry, everyone was like, oh, okay, this is interesting, you know, they're going in this direction. Uh, I think, honestly, everything changed. I think the, uh, the fact that the community was so much more excited, that sort of probably, um, you know, helped the developers be a bit more motivated and they sort of, it wasn't just the content that we were getting, but it was more content. It was, you know, regular updates. Um, I think around that time might've been just before or even just after, um, Ben Walk was brought on board and he was like a huge part of the, the game turning around. So honestly, I think that that moment pretty much changed the whole course of the game. After replay, it was, it's always been clear that new content was on the way. Uh, we knew what to expect and when to expect it, even though those deadlines were not always met. But that, to me, was just some background stuff. The essential part was that we knew we had stuff coming. Um, and so we had the Clone Wars at first, uh, and then we had uh, well other original trilogy and, and even, uh, even the, the new trilogy, the, the sequels content coming to the game later on. Um, but yeah, the actual content to me, like, the errors have always been kind of the background. To me, what changed after EA Play was that we knew what was going to come to the game. Um, and we had clear communication from that point on. And that was just a game changer. A ferocious fight between good and evil. In the thick of the Clone Wars, the forces of the Galactic Republic and the Separatists clash in a high-stakes tug-of-war. Led by their vicious superiors, the droid army launches an invasion on the Republic attack cruiser. Elite infiltrators go head-to-head -head in a deadly battle aboard the capital ship as the Separatists target its weak points. But with valor and dexterity, the clones abolish the threat of devastation. Inspired by their brother's courageous act, a revitalized clone army seizes a second chance to dominate the ground. As a counter-invasion is launched on the Separatist Dreadnought, the Clone Wars rages... I think moving on after that, the, the development team really handled all, all the different uh, updates so well. Pretty much monthly updates, they basically gave us everything we wanted, or not everything, but they, they prioritized right. They gave us the characters we wanted, the planets we wanted, uh, the game modes we wanted with Supremacy and so on. So they had their priorities right, I think, uh, to the point where... E they could even have focused a bit more on monetization to make sure that the game could live on for longer, but they instead just wanted to please the community, which, which was good for the short run, but maybe if they did it uh, prioritized a little bit differently, the game could have lived on for even longer. But in short, they did a fantastic job moving forward, I think. I mean, if you look at the game now, or at least when it just before they stopped the support, even the deepest parts of the internet still had mostly a very positive view of this game and there was very very few pay to win comments left although it took a very long time um, for that to disappear I mean even when they had the celebration edition when they released that people were still calling it a pay to win game some people uh, but overall they really managed to shift the actual reputation of the game into something uh, really really good and it to well one of the best Star Wars games to ever be made to be completely honest we're getting 20 you know what year was it 2018 we're getting updated graphics and an incredible looking general grievous and geonosis and the clone wars revisited you know i haven't played on those locations potentially since battlefront 2005 back on my playstation 2 you know in whatever 360p <laughs> it's it was exciting to see that 
we were getting such a modern, you know, a modern updated version of those characters in those locations. Um, getting to see them in a new light for everyone, I think, was so just exciting. All about that promise, man. The dev team handled the updates with extreme bliss. They released special videos for big content updates. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. This is Dennis Branwell from the Star Wars Battlefront 2 team. And for patches, they would always release like a monthly calendar or community transmission. They would write out what exactly they were changing. They would show a little bit of work in progress footage. They would show us some like skins maybe that were coming. Um, and just overall have a comment section and talk and engage with the community. I think Ben Walk really handled his job really well, uh, engaging with you know the community, listening to what they had to say, responding to a lot of them and their concerns, even especially dealing with very toxic people. Um, but yeah, hats off to them for, for listening and engaging with the community. So there are a few differences in the in the post-launch support for for both Battlefront games. Um, when I when I worked on the first one, um, I I actually started off in a in a marketing role for a little bit, but I took over for um, the last two the last two DLCs that we had there. Um, so that was it was interesting to see uh, how DLC performed, how people reacted to those those big experiences, those big changes. Um, part of that was driven by the fact that we had a season pass for that first game so we were you know we had to deliver that content so that was something that we made uh, there's an early choice made in, in that game to say this is what we want to do um, we've we've seen this type of DLC model before and it uh, you know we know it works fairly well and people tend to really love this type of stuff we just want to make sure that we deliver it and it can be a really quality experience every time we put out one of those updates um, for Battlefront 2 a much different journey uh, as uh, you know, there's a lot of free updates post-launch, um, not very heavy on the monetization. And there's there's plenty of differences there. One is an approach of, you know, you, you have a player base that is engaged and wants to, to buy DLC. Um, and the other one is you have an engaged player base and you just kind of keep piling on benefit into that base game product. So if you're somebody that comes in, you know, a year post-launch on Star Wars Battlefront, the first one, um, you know, they're like, okay, well, I'm, you know, I'm having a lot of fun playing the base game, but there's all these other maps and all these other things that I would like to get, but they're all behind a paywall. So you end up paying a little bit more money. Um, but you get a lot of cool stuff that, you know, only you have access to, or you and a few others have access to. Um, but on the, on the free side, it's like, well, uh, you can come in a year post launch and you pretty much have access to the same stuff that everybody else does. Um, which is a really nice feeling. Uh, probably have to do a heck of a lot more grinding. Um, but they're two very different, like, you know, and this is where we go into business a little bit, business approaches. One is more like, uh, can I make money off an engaged player base that's already existing within my game? The other one is, how do I hopefully pile in enough um, uh, value into the, the base game that I have that more and more people would want to get this game because the value is so high that, well, I'd be dumb not to buy this game. So, um you're still trying to, to, to get a lot of revenue out of people. It's just, do you, uh, it's a different approach, right? One is trying to get um, revenue out of people that are already playing your game. And the other one is trying to get revenue out of people that have never played your game. Um, and that can be hard, uh, the latter. The latter can be hard because say you're not a Star Wars fan. 
Uh, are you, do you really want to get into a Star Wars game a couple years down the line? So, you know, it might be a harder sell if you're not a fan. You're like, well, if I was a fan, I would have got it earlier. But if I'm not a fan, do I ever want this? But there can always, maybe there's always that point where you're like, yeah, but there's so much game here. All my friends are playing it because they keep adding stuff. Um, and you kind of just slowly get pulled in. Um, but uh, that is, it's a less known quantity. Um, so it's, it can be challenging to, to try that. But I think that from a player perspective, it feels great, right? Um, you get a lot of free content. You can keep playing the game that you love. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, they're just very different business approaches. Well, yeah, so the concept for the updates for me was always was always ideal, really, because we always had that variety. A lot of the time it was often, you know, we had a couple of skins, um, and then maybe, you know, every now and again it would be, you know, reinforcement here or a new vehicle here, maybe a new map to Supremacy, um, or it was a larger one where we kind of had um, new reinforcements and a new map. I think for the most part they chose you know, the best variations from the Droidicas, the Reinforcements, TX-130s, you know, Felucia was an interesting addition. There is still missing options for me, uh, personally, Coruscant, Padme, Django, those kinds of things that didn't make it, but overall, most months had a decent amount, I just wish there was a lot more skins, and... There was mo some in some months it felt like there wasn't much it's towards the end of its life cycle more so like there was big updates like the rise of skywalker uh i like the ability to play inside of the venator and the enemy dreadnoughts i know a lot of people really wanted the free reign that you got with battlefront 2 2005 where you could manually pilot a starfighter and fly and land into the enemy ship but i thought this was still really fun the tug of war uh style of capital supremacy which was a dlc game mode and became my favorite game mode, I was really happy to see. Uh, it was really interesting after um, after leaving DICE and, and watching what the team would go on to accomplish. Um, it, was, it was great to see them be able to continue to do things, things that we had talked about um, prior to me leaving, um, bringing some of that stuff to life, but also know that we had some kind of things in the back of our mind that we were like, well, we might not be able to get to this. Um, maybe in the future we'll be able to pull it off. Um, but also just knowing that there were a lot of challenges that we had um, all along the way and, and just seeing the team slowly chip away at some of that stuff um, as well as making big strides in other areas. So for for me at the time, because again, I, I was I was no longer with the team, it was just it was just great to see them keep chugging along and, and, and continuing to make a difference. Um, you know, every month it felt like, um, and you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of the, the team. So it's, uh, still being able to hear a little bit about how they're feeling, what they're going through. Um, and it was just, it just made me happy as an out, as a, as somebody on the outside all of a sudden to just be like, man, they're still killing it over there. I love those guys. So it was, it was, it was uh, kind of bittersweet. Cause I, and there are times where I was like, oh man, that was so cool. I wish I could have been a part of that. But knowing that there's, there's plenty of people there that that love Star Wars just as much as I do, and they were trying to uh, make the best content possible. So by the end of last year, we finally got also some content about other eras than just prequels, uh, and this time was uh, time for sequel content in Battlefront 2. Yeah, so 
The sequel content came out around the time of The Rise of Skywalker, which was awesome because everyone was like, alright, this is going to be the end of the Star Wars saga, Skywalker saga, really exciting to see. Uh, couldn't wait for the new Rey skins, the Kylo skins, the uh, the new hero reinfor reinforcements, especially the Sith Trooper looked so bad. Uh, the new heroes, BB-8, BB-9, I mean, how could a soccer ball go up against Palpatine? But lo and behold, it can. <laughs> uh, and then also getting the new Jet Trooper, so fun to play with. Honestly, I feel like a Mandalorian when I'm flying around. Uh, the new le the spy, the spy could use like orbital bombardment, which is really cool. I'm glad, and I wish, I wish I could find a bug that would make it work on capital ships. But I'm glad that it's canonically unable to work on capital ships. So that's really cool. Um, and then they also brought in the heavy gunner, uh, which we also saw in the Rise of Skywalker. Um, she's a beast. I mean, my God, running with like a minigun and like charging at people and like shooting it like. Like, it's like a literally like a toy gun. It, it She doesn't like have any problem running around with that minigun. Whereas if you play as like a heavy trooper, um, you have to like literally like trudge your, your minigun because it's so heavy for you to carry. <laughs> and that was really cool to see. To me, it's one of the better updates that the game got as well. Um, I loved every bit of content in there. Um, whether it was the reinforcements, the new maps, which look super shiny and super crisp. And I love both sides there. Um, even BB-8 and BB-90, they were very controversial be before they released be because people judged that other heroes would be a finer addition to the collection. Um, but they felt great and they felt unique and they were super, and they still are super enjoyable to play in my opinion. So I'm really happy we got sequel content that we did. I think the term Seasons was something that was really fun when they had Last Jedi Season where you actually had the First Order versus uh, the Resistance. You had these kind of missions to, uh, well, to do. But eventually, I guess they moved away from that pretty quickly. And I think that might have been a good idea because now we had these monthly updates instead with sometimes pretty big stuff being added to the game. Whereas if it was locked down to a season, it might only have been every third month or so. And if you have the Clone Wars season, does that mean they need to add all the Clone Wars stuff at once instead of now where they spread it out over like half a year? So the term season, I liked it when it was used for Last Jedi, but I think it was probably smart of them to move away from that to monthly updates with, because uh, it really kept the community active all the time and you didn't have to wait that long for the next piece of content whether it was a reinforcement or a hero or a map so honestly in the long run i think they did a, a good job of, of keeping it to well big updates instead of, of going with the seasons implementation First off, I just want to say co-op is an incredible game mode. This is an experience I didn't realize I needed in a Star Wars game and just feeling like you're being overwhelmed with, you know, <laughs> invading enemy forces, whether that's droids or clones or, you know, stormtroopers or whatever. It's just, it fits so well in the Star Wars universe as you progress through a co-op map. The original trilogy season came out of nowhere for me as the last... Uh, Star Wars update for Battlefront 2 and honestly I feel like it's because the plug was pulled a little early uh, which made sense but I think if any way for them to go out it was that time and that content was a great way to end it. So seeing that eventually brought to the original trilogy after it had been updated into the sequels and the Clone Wars 
um, you know, it's like things were going full circle and it was like we were getting to revisit all of these old maps that had been designed when the game was originally released. We were getting to revisit these maps and see them in a new way and replay them and re-experience them in co-op. To me, that was part of what was most exciting about this game. I'd get to play on Hoth again and, you know, Endor and some of the, my favorite original trilogy maps. In terms of reinforcements, I really like how they kept things fresh and kind of, you know, almost broke everyone's expectations. Like, I don't think I, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting to see an Ewok with a bow and arrow added as a character to the game. Uh, the ISP agent was super fun. The Ewoks, my god, they already are deadly in Ewok hunts. Then you give them a auto-fire bow, please. Please, do you want us to die? I mean, come on. And then you have the Shore Troopers, which came with Scarif, and the Scarif maps, which by the way, I'm very excited that they didn't carbon copy them. Uh, I believe Azatru did a comparison video, or cinematic captures. Um, it was really cool to see that they created a sunset version and then also a daytime version. Uh, but having Scarif in the game has been one of my dreams since the game first came out. And you played the campaign as Kylo Ren in that Force Vision, and you're like slaughtering shore troopers, and you're like, whoa, 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 they could put this in the game. Why don't we have this in the game? And now they gave it to us in the game. So I was really happy to see that. It almost felt, I don't want to say rushed, but it just, I think just because it sort of came to an end so abruptly, it felt like we could have got a little bit more. But uh, what we did get was great. The, the supremacy stuff, um, a lot of those skins and all that sort of stuff was really good. So I can't really complain with it. I think most of us would have loved to have support for the rest of the year and we would have got a lot more. But yeah, what they, what they brought us was definitely a good sort of ending to the game, I think. Well, we, may, we mainly got... Um New Capital Supremacy maps, which, since Capital Supremacy is one of my preferred game modes, was uh, the, the big game changer to me. Um, not having to play on only the Clone Wars or the sequel uh, trilogy maps. Um, then they also added the same maps to co-op. Um, and obviously Scarif, the big return from Battlefront 2015, uh, which was on that game probably my favorite map. And so it was super enjoyable to go back to those sunny beaches and to, uh, yeah, to just the, the, well, to the perfect weather of those beaches. To see that come back as well, yeah, everyone was obviously very excited for Scarif because I think that had actually been a map that was being requested for a very long time. I think some of the, the things that Battlefront uh, as a franchise has done really well uh, throughout its history is really making you feel immersed in Star Wars from a, from a gaming perspective. So um, while you're there, you're shooting things, you're taking on the role of various characters and doing things. It's just, you, you feel like you're in the universe, right? It's, it's that level of immersion that I think it did so well and can continue to do well. The Balfour games have always nailed uh, recreating the atmosphere of Star Wars. It's just, it's so much, everybody's like kind of childhood fantasy of just being like, I hear the lasers, I see the things, like if, if, <laughs> if we had somehow developed something to, uh, to translate smells to, uh, to a player, I'm sure we would have done that as well, but like, it's it just so much that level of fidelity and the, the feeling, it just, everything was perfectly Star Wars, like that's, that's what it just does so well, is it, it just, it completely brings you into that universe. The, the large scale battles, uh, the immersion that 
you're, you might be fighting on Tatooine and, and shooting some rebel scum or whatever, uh, but you can just look up and see some massive Star Destroyer going down or or hundreds or dozens of of uh, TIE fighters and X-Wings just uh, dogfighting in the skies. Battlefront 2 for me and for so many other fans I think is the ultimate Star Wars role-playing experience. I know other people play, you know, Nice the Old Republic, those kinds of games which are more RPG based, but the Battlefront games are about living out your classic favorite Star Wars battles and also subverting them and playing them in new ways and new lights with different characters and different, you know, situations, but it just is the true battle, the true Star Wars experience, like, not just because the graphics, but to me, compared to the other games, like, it's literally like playing a movie, playing, like, being part of the battles, and you're able to explore different, like, you're able to explore the standard infantry parts of the battle that you don't see in the films, but also you get to play as the heroes that you want to visit the locations everywhere, wherever you want to go. Waking up and seeing the news that Battlefront 2 support was ending and watching the community transmission trailer from Dennis and hearing him talk about the end of the game and how their vision for Battlefront 2 was complete. With the Battle on Scarif update, we've realized our vision with Star Wars Battlefront 2 to empower you to immerse yourself in epic battles from your favorite Star Wars era your own way. Join me. I'm extremely proud of what the team has accomplished through launch and the many updates after. We now hand it over to you. With the servers, in-game challenges, and recurring events continuing to stay live, we look forward to hearing your stories from the Battlefront for years to come. On behalf of all of us, thank you very much. And may the Force be with you, always. It was a really strange day and a really strange week, I think, or month even for everyone. I did not at all see the game ends after the Skyrim update. In fact, I had to rewatch the Skyrim community um, update video a couple of times before I even picked up that it could mean that the end was nearing, uh, let alone that the game would end all development after that update. I wasn't really surprised by the end unfortunately, although it is sad and this game with its playbase had so much more to give and seeing the developers reactions, the developers did not want to quit working on this game, I promise you that. Um, but I guess they just had to be moved on to Battlefield because well there's been multiple games now with bad launches at DICE and they wanted to put all the focus into Battlefield 6, 6 so. I. Well, I thought the end was gonna come much sooner in like 2018, to be honest. Maybe. And I was always, I always knew that the game would end at some point. But I didn't think it was gonna end that abruptly. Like, Scarif update, maybe a smaller update like usual, and then like a one last update with a few extra fan requested stuff. It was kind of so much uncertainty especially at the time we had no real future of star wars games announced star wars squadrons was still you know behind closed doors we hadn't seen anything from that game yet and 
Lego Star Wars seemed like an eternity away still. I think it still kind of is at the moment, but knowing that this game, which had been such a... becomes a symbol in gaming, not just in the Star Wars community, but in gaming for how developers can evolve a game and listen to community feedback and actually deliver an experience that has taken so much feedback on board and become what everyone wanted it to be, risen from the ashes. I think that notion and seeing that that game, that that had happened to was ending was kind of really strange and really kind of surprising at the time even though looking back now I'm like okay it felt like it was time you know what I mean like they had done so much to it they've done the Clone Wars they did the prequel content they dropped more original trilogy content there were new game modes with co-op and supremacy it had come such a long way and at that point I think there was only so much more they could have done before things would have started to either you know before they saw a more significant dip in the people engaging and playing with the game. I think it was time to either do something radical and introduce something completely new and different into the game or call it a day, which they did. And although it was a strange period, I think it was, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the future of what DICE does with Star Wars. Hopefully they're working on another game at the moment hopefully there's something behind closed doors that we haven't heard about yet that we're going to see more of in the next few years but you know it had come such a long way that i think they can only be proud of what they've done yeah so i think a lot of people expected uh the game to sort of dwindle away once we uh, i remember around the time of that solo season it was just a very people weren't happy with what they were getting and the game felt fairly stale and then really at that Clone Wars announcement it seemed like the the guys and girls at DICE just really sort of switched gears and they it was almost like they didn't want their like I guess legacy to go out in the way that it could have so it really just seemed like a complete it almost seemed like a different development team like they they were doing their thing at the start and they had a lot of issues and then from that they just completely switched it um i think ben walk was a huge part of that i think he sort of got the community sort of vibe going again a lot of people were very um happy with how he did that and it felt more of a community rather than just a, a game itself and then through that he obviously could pass on so much info to the team and they could um yeah just sort of cater the content to the players a bit more and i think that was the main reason that it had such a drastic turnaround was just they they really did listen to the community and yeah it was uh it was definitely very awesome to see so for this documentary i reached out to a ton of people in the community and one who i reached out to to write something up was cinematic captures uh, a man in the community that lets his work speak for itself and it says wonders but i reached out to him to get his thoughts on the end of star wars battlefront 2 and this is what he had to say Honestly, yeah. With the release of the Celebration Edition and the huge success around that, I was so sure that support would continue for at least another year. There was still so much that could have been added, and the devs were so passionate for the project. I always had a sneaking suspicion that it might end early, though. I just hoped we would get another year of content. 
If I had one message for the Star Wars Battlefront 2 dev team, it was thank you, um, not only for all the work that you guys did um, prior to launch as well as after launch, uh, but just for being there and being part of uh, that experience. Um, we all did a lot of great stuff together. Uh, it was it was super tough leaving the studio, um, but it was. I always treasure those moments with the team. Um, I'm still very close to them, so it's always a big a big thank you. And I and I miss you guys, uh, even though I still talk to some of you. Oh God, what would I say to the team? Honestly, I just I can't thank them enough. To be honest, Battlefront 2 for me was completely life-changing. Um, not just because I made YouTube content on it for two and a half years and played it, you know, so constantly, but it also kind of inspired me to go on my path into content creation in general, both YouTube and game development. You know, I've I'm just literally a week and a half from recording this from starting university in game art and virtual production and a big part of that has been as an inspiration of Battlefront 2. Um, it's allowed me to meet so many people like Sage I've I've met through this game. I've it's just been a life-changing experience. I've met I've met so many amazing people. I've had so many fun times over the years then it's all thanks to you guys as well and again i can't thank you enough for just pulling the game back from where it was to where it is today because obviously it did start off a bit shaky with the launch contro uh, controversy but to pull it back in the way that you guys did was, was absolutely incredible well first and foremost i'd like to thank them because i know they were just as passionate about the game as we were uh, the players and you could feel that in in a way in the game big thumbs up for the community wall at dice that was it was added late in the game's developments and it was such a cool thing in my opinion um, to have well some of the very best creations from the community be it drawings, be it arts or captures or whatever else from the subreddit even um, to see it physically printed and there is somewhere in Sweden so many kilometers so many kilometers away from me um, it was an awesome idea and it was a great way to show the best of the community uh, I loved the idea to anyone that worked on Battlefront 2 whether that be in the game development side of things in community in marketing whatever it be thank you so much for the effort you've put into this game to bring it from where it was at launch to where it is today and where what it became i think everyone across gaming in general agrees that battlefront 2 is one of gaming's greatest redemption stories and you guys were at the forefront of that you're the ones that made that a reality and brought this game back to life basically so it's been such an incredible journey watching this game move through those paces and move on that journey. Being able to create content around this game as well has been so much fun and I look forward to doing more Star Wars games in the future but incredible effort and thank you so much for how it's evolved and for instilling your, your Star Wars passion into this game. Um, really, I would just like to say a massive thank you for everything they did. They really could have given up on the game with how you know rough the launch was and the fact that they stuck out and uh, 
really, it honestly, it might be the biggest turnaround that I've ever seen for a game. And yeah, just a, a huge thank you to those guys for all their dedication and their uh, their love that they put into the game that we all love to play. Thank you so much for all of your hard work over the past however many years, whether it be on the first Battlefront game or the second. Some of us really know that, just like us, just Star Wars fans, and you created the best Star Wars game that you could. And this is a game that is going to definitely live on as my go-to Star Wars game for a very long time, because it just ticks all the boxes and does everything I want to as in a Star Wars uh, fantasy. I just want to say thank you to the developer team for doing your your best and doing an amazing job of referencing source material to bringing us actors like James Arnold Taylor and Matt Lanter to the game to listening to the community for what they wanted. I know that it wasn't in the original game for all the DLC content that eventually came out, but a lot of those were byproducts of conversations with the community. I'm so, so grateful that you guys continued support for over two, three years, three years, yeah, for the community. And I mean, we just got an update like last week or two weeks ago. Uh, it's insane how much uh, you guys have given back to the player base, even amidst the fact that um, this game is is so, I guess, old in its in its uh, in its age. But I'm very grateful uh, for for the time and effort because I know a lot of you guys are also Star Wars fans. I'm really appreciative that you guys poured your love for Star Wars into this game as well. I hope, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if you can cut this out later, podcast, but I, I hope the the positive aspects of the Star Wars community and the player base have outweighed the negative, and I hope it has left a better taste in your mouth than prior. Um, just because I think. The overwhelming majority of people are grateful for the work that you guys have done for the community. Otherwise, there wouldn't be all the people who play it or have played it uh, who do. Um, so once again, thank you so much. Uh, a lot of people have really enjoyed coming home from work or coming home from school to play your game. So thank you for that. Hello there, this is Sage from the Battlefront Podcast. So this is the 200th episode of the Battlefront Podcast, and I just want to say thank you so much to the amazing people I had on the podcast, the amazing support from the community, and the amazing dev team that brought us this game. I really wanted to highlight the journey that Star Wars Battlefront 2 experienced in the life of the game. Um, thank you so much for creating something that I will remember fondly forever, will continue to play and a series that I met my best friends through. The process of this documentary has taken over three weeks to gather the interviews, separate them out, and to piece it together into what you hear now. I wanted to take more of a traditional documentary approach, which is why I'm not really in this a whole bunch, more of a narration. Um, but I wanna say thank you to all of the amazing people that helped get this podcast out there and all of the amazing listeners, here's to a great continuation of the podcast through Uplink, uh, where we'll rebrand. Thank you so much, Dice. Thank you so much for the uh, continued support of the game. Please, please, we would love a third game. 
don't be like Valve and stop it too. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Star Wars Battlefront podcast. I've been your host, Sage Goodwin. Thank you so much to the amazing group of people that we had on the podcast. Thank you to Paul Kesslin, Dylan from Wolf of Wolf, Andrew from Bombastic, Mark from Split Screen, Arcross, Cinematic Captures, Elliot from Battlefront Updates, Sammy from Sammy Boy, Aaron from Azatru, and all of you amazing listeners. Battlefront Podcast will be rebranding a week from now, this episode, into Uplink, the Uplink Podcast. So we will be continuing the long history of this podcast in a new form, covering all of Star Wars video games. First and foremost, we'll be covering Squadrons. We'll also still be continuing our coverage of Battlefront 2015 and 2. We'll also be going through the back catalog of all of the amazing Star Wars games and talking about what they could be in the future and what series we'd like to see going forward. We're also rebranding our YouTube channel and bringing even more content. If you like what you heard today, we would greatly appreciate your support on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Uplink Podcast. You can support us at the $1 a month level and be able to guide what we talk about on the podcast and what videos we produce. At the $5 a month podcast level, we have a Patreon-exclusive podcast called Uplink Plus. Be greatly appreciated it if you support us in any way. A free way is supporting us by sharing the podcast with your friends who love Star Wars and video games. You can also support the show by leaving a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you can leave a review, we would greatly appreciate that. Sharing and leaving a review is extremely helpful to us. Thank you all so much for this journey. We've greatly appreciated all of the support that you've given us over the years, and I can't wait to continue going forward with the show. You can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you find podcasts, you can find this show. As always, thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you.